Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Indefensible Plants podcast, the official podcast of indefensiveplants.com. What's up? This is your host, Matt. Welcome to the show. How is everyone doing this week? I'm doing great because we are discussing one of my favorite topics in all of botany, and that is the orchid family. Specifically, why are they so diverse, especially in places like Colombia? Joining us to talk about this is Dr. Tatiana Arias, and she has devoted her entire career to trying to understand those questions and so many more. And as you're going to learn, this isn't science happening behind closed doors in an ivory tower. This is extremely collaborative efforts that involves citizens, hobbyists, nurserymen, and so much more. I'm going to let her describe all of that to you, but before we get into it, I just want to say this podcast can't exist without support, and one of the best ways to support it is to become a patron over at patreon.com slash plants. For a very small financial contribution each month, you can give this show a future and get a lot of fun extras and kickbacks in the process. I couldn't be doing this without my patrons, so go check that out. Once again, that's patreon.com slash plants. But that's entirely enough out of me. I want to jump right into this topic, so without further ado... Here's my conversation with Dr. Tatiana Arias. I hope you enjoy. All right, Dr. Tatiana Arias, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to talk to you about our topic today. But for those that aren't familiar with your work, start off with an introduction. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is you do. Yeah, so I'm Tatiana Arias. I am um, an orchid research botanist at uh, Mary Selby Botanical Gardens in Sarasota, Florida. And I work basically in neotropical orchids. I do all sorts of like research and exploration and education, and I, it's all about orchids. Lovely. One of my favorite topics in the whole wide world. But where did this begin for you? Were you always into orchids or were you kind of a nature kid, got into plants and then orchids was the obvious route? Where did, where did this all start? Yeah, no. So I am not like I haven't been an orchid person all my life. I've been a plant person since I got to college. So my love for nature really started when I used to visit my dad at the Chocoan Coast uh, or the Choco Coast in, in Colombia. And we pretty much spent like all our summer vacations there uh, exploring the jungle with my dad. And that's when I pretty much decided that I would like to have some sort of like permanent connection with nature. Hmm. That's awesome. And so when did you decide like plants were going to be the route you wanted to go? Because nature, obviously, big yeah. topic. You know, there's a million different things you could have done. Why plants? Yeah, so when I was an undergraduate, I really didn't know what I wanted to study. Like, I again, I like birds and maybe amphibians. And I was in all, uh, and also like marine turtles. And I did mm. conservation work in marine turtles. But, but then I met uh, Ricardo Callejas. Which, which is like a mentor and a, like a professor at Universidad de Antioquia in Medellin, where I am from and, I, and where I went to school. And um, Ricardo is being so passionate about what he does and the way he teaches his classes is just so powerful and he has helped a lot of people. Mm. 
or he has like mentored a lot of students. And I mean, that love that he felt, I felt it too. So I really got into plants and particularly in plant morphology and plant evolution mm. because of him. That was like my inspiration. And ever since I am, yeah, a plant person and <laughs> And plants that like, so I like to tell people that um, everything good that has come like in my life is all related to like plants and mm -hmm. plant people and everything that goes, uh, that goes well and good in my life uh, goes well because it's around plants. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are speaking to the perfect audience today. I love that. So, <laughs> awesome. Orchids really are kind of a, if yeah. you like morphology and evolution, orchids are a great group of plants to be studying, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so what about them attracted you in the first place? I mean, again, if you're into morphology Definitely. and evolution, how, how did orchids really become the center of your focus? Yeah. So this, like for me, is a different route that I took through orchids. And it's not the route that you are always going to hear that is about like this really cool scientific question behind this and that. No, it's different because when I started to study orchids, like I always wanted to study orchids, I have to say. Like ever since I started my PhD, that's what I wanted to do, but I didn't have the possibility to do it at the time. So I, I put it like on the back of my mind and then I, I finally went back to Colombia. And in Colombia, um, if you want to get resources to do research, you have to think very strategically about what to study, right? Mm. And uh, that's when this idea came to me to study, like I wanted to study flag, like plants or flagship plants that were attractive to yeah, to funding agencies mm. for many reasons. And orchids were perfect hmm. because orchids are like pretty emblematic organisms um, in Colombia. Colombia is one of the richest orchids there are. And the national flower is an orchid and people love orchids everywhere. They are charismatic. I like to tell people that they are like the panda of the plant <laughs> kingdom. <laughs> You know, so I thought like strategically that was really good. And it turned out that uh, it was for me. And and then I got to start figuring out like the scientific research and scientific questions that I wanted to do in the group. So that's how I got there. Wow. And it was actually, it was like a smart move to do because I can get excited about any plan. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I needed the money to do something in Colombia and, and it worked really well because I was like, I was funded, like I had, I found a lot of money through this research that I do. Yeah, that's amazing insights to have. And, and it's great that you're <laughs> kind of like, hey, I'll study any plants. I love plants, but yeah, how do whatever. I get the money to do it? Right. And that's a huge hurdle in any sort of scientific endeavor. But, you know, they're flagships both because people love them. They're beautiful. They're charismatic. But th I, I'd assume that, you know, at least in many places of the world that I've been with orchids, they're flagships because they kind of are cornerstones of the ecosystem. They represent sort of how well the ecosystem's doing. And, and is Colombia much different? Is it similar in, in Colombia? 
So in Colombia, the, the biggest question is why do we have so many orchid species? Like it seems like this is like uh, the place where orchids have been uh, pretty much like diversifying like explosively yeah. and not all orchids but like particular groups of orchids like the Pleurotalinidae, like the self-tribe Pleurotalinidae, the, the tribes Invidiae, like these certain groups of orchids um, seem to like really thrive there and 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 that has to do with uh, many reasons that we are still trying to understand and to figure out, you know. And particularly, we don't understand these things really well as we could with some other plant groups that are less diverse mm. because of that. Like that's the like because they have there are so many species, and we don't know how they relate to each other. And we still are like in a very, like we have a really low sample size, <laughs> uh, phylogenetically speaking, that whatever hypothesis that we have about the origin and evolution of orchids is probably gonna be uh, not very accurate, I will say, <laughs> until we have the 25,000 or no, like at least half of the species. Wow. Yeah, in a phylogeny. I don't know how, how many do we need do we need it to be representative, but we are not there yet for sure. <laughs> that is a monumental task. And it's it's tough for people outside of that field to kind of get their heads wrapped around what it takes. And so, you know, you, you, you talk about trying to understand orchid diversity in a place where they are hyper diverse. Where do you begin with that? I mean, you can't be an expert on every species out there. And you just mentioned it's hard enough to get sample sizes in many cases. So where does work yeah. like yours really start? Yeah, absolutely. And this is like also one of the beauties of doing this work and the beauties of where like this work has taken me. And is to like really understand and really to take my research at a very like collaborative level mm. in which I include many people around me that are uh, helping me. So that comes from like students, from like expert taxonomists. I'm not at, at, like I'm not a taxonomist, right? Sure. Um, so I bring all these people together to do like a really, I, I would say, collaborative science and also participatory sciences because in the research that I do also come together um, communities, as I say, but they there is also like nursery owners and mm. um, society members, like Orchid Society members that have like these big collections that can be like either commercial or just like, you know, like hobbyists yeah, yeah. that have these collections. And all these people somehow are helping and making this to like go faster, you know, mm -hmm. and like accelerate what we are doing. So it's not only my work, it's the work of like a lot of people that are helping. Wow. So it's nice that you're at a botanical garden because I'm sure you meet a, a great swath of people, like you said, from hobbyists to professionals and everyone in between that, that yes. are working with these plants. But 
what are you looking for exactly? I mean, is this something where you, you need samples from people? You need insights on morphology or, or potential relationships from people, hybridization attempts. How do they pan out? Like, what do you do when you're looking for these collaborative sort of efforts? What are you searching for uh, from these folks? So they work always start with a question, right? Right. So I want to understand why are orchids in the neotropics and in particular in the northern Andes so diverse, mm. okay? And um, to do that, of course, I cannot go and sample every single every single orchid species because I don't have the time, the permits, <laughs> which the permits are like really hard to get and I don't have the money, right? Mm. So what I am focusing to do is to and and there is so, and the other thing is like there is a ton of people studying these too it's not just me right, right right so what i want to do is to focus on um really specific genera that are really diverse and uh endemic to and have and that have like a high number of endemic species in colombia okay, okay? So how do I get a handle on these plants? That's like, to answer that question, I needed to tell you all of this. Sure. So I go to the field. I go to the field like probably three or four times a year. Mm. Uh, And I do like one month expeditions. I, I have relationships with uh, growers, like orchid growers. And they have, like, they let me into their collections and let me do the research that I need. And they have been collecting these plants forever. Like, some of them, they have, like, more than 50 years uh, collecting things. Some of them have uh, collections that are extinct in the wild. Wow. Uh, Some of them have... um, Lots of species from, like, you know, like, for, for example, for Lepantis, one of the, the genus that I am working on. Um, you can go to a collector and you can find, like, he's like a specialist and he loves that group. And that's <laughs> the only thing that he grows. And he knows how to grow these plants. And they are so tiny that they can, they, like, the, the nursery is not that big. But he <laughs> probably has, like, easily... 200 species wow. there Wow! you know so yeah that's that's how i do it that's impressive and it's gotta it's gotta introduce you to some of the the most interesting people in the orchid world right because to get into a genus like lepanthes i love them they're amazing through a hand lens they're not these big showy things that you can readily exactly. see from hundreds of feet away so mm-hmm. i'm sure you're meeting people that are very nuanced in their interests and the reasoning mm-hmm. why they're growing these plants Yes, yes. They are. They know what they are doing, obviously. Like, they know how to <laughs> grow these plants. They know, they look at it, and they immediately know whether they are new species or not. And if they are not, they know the names, you know. And it's really nice to see that it's like, I have, like, probably four different um, guys that they are in, like, different ages. But they, so I have a guy that is just starting the undergraduate in biology and he 
is amazing. Mm. Like to go with him to the field is just like having like a walking encyclopedia or whatever. <laughs> like a walking like monography of Lepanto. Amazing. And uh, yeah, and there are like two or three more people like that. And, and we are all working together. So each of us has like different expertise and and that help us to to achieve like the goals that we want for now for them um it's also really interesting to know like how the the groups that they have made whether they relate to each other or not Mm. and if like some of the morphologies that they see are actually reflecting evolutionary history or only or like these morphologies have, like floral morphologies, for example, in Lepantes have appeared uh, multiple times during wow. the evolution of the genus, things like that. Yeah, that is fascinating to think about how different people view the groups you're working with, because, you know, any hobbyist is going to be spending a ton of time pouring over their collection, looking at every little inch and nook and cranny. And I, I would imagine, yeah, they're forming their own hypotheses. And to be able to test those against what, say, DNA is showing that's got to be fun in and of itself beyond just the scientific side of like having to get the data and publish it. Yeah. That's really yeah, cool. Absolutely. And so do you find that these hobbyists often have really valuable insights in that regard? I mean, do you see a lot of things kind of being true or, or they, they at least have a nice way of kind of breaking these things down and grouping different plants together? Okay. How do I say this? I think that um, species are not real, but they are pretty damn <laughs> useful <laughs> that's awesome i love that insight i mean elaborate a little bit because that in and of itself i think confuses people like species concepts seem very sound until you start talking to people that deal in biology and then you realize it's this blurry sort of thing and orchids i'm assuming really kind of exactly. push that envelope a little bit harder than most yeah groups. absolutely so there are many different concepts like species concepts out, out there right one of the most or the easiest ones to like understand is the fact that when things look alike, they probably belong to the same group or to the same species. And if they can reproduce between them, they are probably the same species because um, they are crossing like the genetic material or they are like sharing genetic material. And that's how like, at least like in some way, evolution works Mm -hmm. at a certain level and scale. Okay, but then when you start going deeper into this and particularly when you are... um, looking not at the species and population level even though when you look at that level it's also confusing but (laughs) when you are looking at the macro evolutionary level uh then you start seeing that those like uh like relationships or, or those like similarities in form and phenotype not necessarily mean that they have to or form these like groups that are like you know, like evolutionary units. Mm. So um, um, I don't know if I'm being really confusing or not. This is good. We're following. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, so, and, and in plants in particularly in many groups of plants, there are tons of examples where you see that, um, well, like species boundaries don't really exist 
Uh, so, for example, in my PhD, I found that two really separate species from each other, they have separate, like, or their ancestors, their ancestors have separate, like, 20 million years ago, mm-hmm. and they could still form hybrids today, like hybrids wow. and polyploids today. So they could hybridize and then duplicate their genome again. And that's just to give you an example that's happened in many, many other uh, plant species. So, yeah, to think about the species concept and in particularly in orchids where we don't really understand well the genetics of these organisms is, um, yeah, a pretty <laughs> like a big task. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, you picked one of the largest groups to be able to do this with and in an area where diversity is running wild. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a hotbed mm-hmm. for, for a lot of things. But I love this, this sort of confusion because it, I know professionally it can be probably be very frustrating. But <laughs> for, for a group of organisms just doing what they can to get their genes in the next generation, it's absolutely fascinating that, okay, yeah. maybe it's like a chemical difference in, in the way the plant smells or a slight morphological difference in the labellum or something like that hypothetically could make a new species but at the same time it might just mean there's a a boundary there that is you know humans can overcome it with a little bit of help so yeah i i just feel like you're working with a confusing but in an exciting way group of plants in that regard yeah so and i have two things to say about that hopefully i won't forget about them one is that that's one of the fascinating questions to me like is it all this variation that we see there is this really also worth called species? Mm. You know, because there are like subtle variations. So, and those subtle variations, like people keep naming and naming and naming. And it's like a hobby, right? Like yeah. the more plant species, new species I have described. So, but is that really reflecting the actual like genetic species? And again, what? It's a species I don't really even know. Right. Um, so, so it would be more like like saying how far or how close are things that are a bit different, how, like how genetically far or genetically close are they uh, from each other. Mm. That's one. And the other one that is really interesting is something that we were talking to some of my colleagues. Uh, I just came back from Boise and from Botany. And I asked my colleagues, like, what's the big take-home message from this conference, like this year? And we all came to the conclusion that is in, like, okay, we, like, it's in the, in these questions that are confusing, that we don't know how to solve, that, uh, might show like incongruencies and yeah and things that we don't really understand that that's where like the good and interesting questions are now like we are past describing we are past um, describing like really simple stories right. and parsing things like in simple ways so we can picture our reality in a bigger in a bigger picture later like we have gotten to a point and i think that this is probably for more science sciences but i'm just talking about botany because that's what i do but we are at a point where we need to start combining all these 
Right. At the same time, to see like what patterns emerge and um, how, like how is morphology actually, or what are the genetics basis of morphology and how that relates to physiology and you know. Whew. And <laughs> yeah. so I think that we are there. I yeah. mean, in like a very early stages. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. Just pull it all together. Let's see what happens. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's exciting in and of itself to be able to sit down with your colleagues and, and make those sorts of realizations together and kind of all agree, because sometimes getting everyone to agree in and of itself is a big task. But I, I like seeing where the field is at of, OK, we've done these big brushstrokes. We've got big bins. Let's start refining them. Let's start narrowing it down. And you have mm -hmm. a bunch of different lines of evidence to work with, or at least data, uh, you know, always needing more of it. But it kind of sounds like we're getting to a point now where, like, okay, we've got the big picture. Let's start chipping off little pieces at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. You got your uh, a fruitful career ahead of you in that case. But what groups in particular interest you the most? You mentioned Lepanthes and the Plorothalini. Like, what other groups of orchids really kind of help you do the work that you set out to do, collaborative or not? No. So right now, I am really into, like, this, hugely diverse groups so i have this project in lepanthes and i am starting a project in pleurotalis which is huge nice. too and i'm also working in draculas Ooh, very which nice. are not as big but they have really interesting questions about like hybridization and pollination biology and things like this so those are the groups that i are like mostly focusing on right now yeah, but that is at a more like organism level. So it's like taking these big lineages, a few representatives of like taxonomically poor and tax like taxonomically or like species poor, species rich clades and kind of comparing them. And they are like sister clades and kind of like comparing them phylogenetically to see if we can find any evidence of why orchids or epiphytic orchids are so diverse. Very exciting. Great groups of orchids. Some of my favorite genre rest in those. But when you go to these collections or you're out in the field in Colombia, what what kind of data do, are you collecting? Are they tissue samples? or How do you do the work that you do? I guess that's, a, yeah, that's a, thank something you for that's kind of mystery to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, thank you for asking this question because I also have, now that I am a, like a botanical garden with a herbarium and Ooh, yeah. and we have a very strong living collection here, um, this is like a fundamental part of my job and I want to do it the best possible way that I can. So it's been a process to figure out which is the best way to do this. And I really want to like publish a paper about this or write a paper about this. Um, and basically what I do is I make a herbarium collection hmm. uh, and I'm really careful about the flowers. So I kind of like wrap around uh, every single flower that I have or every or the inflorescences in like wax paper. Mm. Uh, press it really well trying to make the best possible collection I can. I collect uh, fresh leaf material in DNA. I collect um, spirit. I make spirit collections, which is a mix of alcohol at 70% and glycerin and water. Mm. I collect um, yeah, flowers in... Uh, 
in these uh, particularly in this particular like particular bottles, which I don't take bottles to the field. Actually, there is like these really cool bags that you can take and hmm. put alcohol in them. And uh, the thing that takes the longest is uh, the pictures, right? So all of my herbarium collections come now with like the picture of that specific plant that I collected. Nice. And that has either like has a detail, in, like is yeah, it's like looking at the flower in detail. Uh, because I guess that the architect or the the habit and everything else you can see in the collection, but it's the flower that what you are always kind of like gonna lose, right? Sure. Uh, and then I mean, there is like so many nuances that <laughs> go with this. Like you have to pick the right kind of paper. It cannot be like it has to be acid free. And you need to get like these uh, bags and, you know, the silica and those things seem like irrelevant, but they are not at the long, like if you want to really preserve these collections. Right. And the second thing that I was going to say is that um, that that doesn't end there. So the <laughs> second thing that I do, and this is because, so I'm going really far away. Some of the places where I have gone in Colombia, I am not going to be able to return either because it's too far away or because Colombia is getting really dangerous again. Mm. Um, so what I try to do is like I bring things in, and this is when I also want to make like a parenthesis here because it's very like for orchids or for organisms like orchids, you need to be really careful and you need to be really conservative in what you collect and how you do it, right? Why? Because there is a lot of poaching and there is a lot of habitat mm, loss and yeah. orchids are really, really vulnerable to all these things that I'm saying. So I do bring, so I'm very conservative with my collections. I do one, if the plant is really rare or two, if I think that I can, right? Yeah. And then uh, if I don't see the plant with flowers, I will bring a piece of living material mm. to a nursery. And the nursery is always, always going to be nearby. And it's going to be um, like kind of like at the same like altitude. Sure. You know, you don't want to bring things from like lowlands to highlands and from highlands to lowlands because those plants are probably not going to survive. Oh, yeah. So what I have done now is like I have a series of nurseries or I collaborate with a series of like farmers. Even um, Also, I'm collaborating with like ex-guerrilla combatants and they are permanently checking on these plants. Wow. Uh, they know how to, so I bring them there, we grow them together, I teach them, I teach them how to grow and take care of them. And then they are sending me like I have all their contacts and they are sending me all these pictures through WhatsApp. <laughs> nice. So I can I can at least know what the species was. Uh and if I visit again, I'm going to be able to bring these plants. Wow. And in some instances, when I have been um, working with these people for longer, I have been already able to bring, like I brought this summer here to the U.S. with all my papers, all the paperwork that I need 
we brought 50 new or 50 species from from the Andean Amazonian foothills from in, in Caquetá, Colombia, here to Selby, which is perfect because we are in lowland here, and I brought this from the lowlands. Uh, so we'll see how it goes, but I'm really excited about being able to preserve this like circasitum and exitu here in 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 Florida, and also be able to do work directly with the plants that I am working in the field. Wow! You know? Yeah. That's really nice to have that option, but it just goes to show you how much effort goes in to the work that you do. You know what I mean? It's Years. it's one thing for everyone to like, okay, cool, a paper. And if they read it, that's great. But behind that paper is years of effort, a lot of uh, collaborations, a lot of coordination. I mean, I my palms got sweaty thinking about like, okay, I have to bring this down to this person and this person's got to hopefully remember to take pictures or be there at the right time. It's It's remarkable. And I love this mix of DNA and herbarium vouchers and photographs and then physical specimens. I mean, to be able to do the work you do, you have to have the compl- like a very complete picture of every plant you study from start to finish. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But more than that, I need to have an amazing group of people behind me. And I don't know why this has been like, it's been really... I mean, the, the collaborative work between, like, from the person at the farm, the guy that guides us, uh, the, my, the guy that knows what the plant is, the person in the nursery that is, like, that I, like the, in the commercial nursery that I can send the plants that I reproduce vegetatively in the, in the farm, and they are doing the quarantine and doing the permits for me to bring them here. The students that are working here with me, the students that are working, you know, like all those things is why this work. And um, it's very rewarding to see how like those sorts of of networks can work really well and have worked really well um, in a country where nothing works. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, here you are, you know, working with people that want to do this for plants. And despite all of the background of, of chaos and, and whatever strife life is throwing your way, you've got a network of people that care enough to want to contribute to the science. And that's what's amazing is it's, it's not enough just to grow these plants or be a hobbyist. They want to help. That's that's so nice. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. And hopefully one day we can help them, too, you know. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, these are flagship organisms in a country where they need that attention. It needs to be brought to light just how amazing every other hillside is up there just because of what's growing there. And and like you are focusing on orchids. Imagine all of the other plants and animals that are living right next door in the same habitat. So I think all of this work goes back to appreciating the diversity of this place and gives a a higher value to like, this is why we need to conserve areas of land for people, for organisms. It's, it's, it, it all needs to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so with that, if people want to find out more about the work that you're doing and learn about the research that's going to be coming out of all of these efforts, where do you recommend they go looking to find out more? Mm, I will say that my webpage is a really good place to start. But at the moment, I am in the process of updating it. And I also tweet a lot. 
about what I do. Wonderful. So I'm... that will be another way to do it. Unfortunately, at the garden, we don't have, like, we, we are just developing, like, a web page that uh, makes more emphasis in, like, the science or the projects that we have. Sure. As you can see, it's not only science. It has, like, a lot of other components. Yeah. So there is not much there about all of these. That's okay. I can add your website and your Twitter so that people can keep a, a finger on the pulse of the work you're doing and learn more about these collaborative efforts for orchids. But Dr. Arias, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us. I really appreciate it. No, you're welcome. You're very welcome. Thank oh. you so much for having me. This is awesome. Of course. Yeah, anytime. And as you learn more about this wonderful group of orchids or all of the groups you're working with, please keep us posted. I'd love to have you back on to talk about all the cool uh, discoveries you're making for the questions you're trying to answer. Okay. Thank you very much. Of course. Cheers. All right. Incredible stuff. Very, very heavy work. A lot to do, but Dr. Arias is doing great things to make it a collaborative effort and get a lot of people involved to celebrate orchids and try to understand their diversity in places like Colombia. I thank Dr. Arias for taking time out of her busy schedule to talk with us. And as always, you can find all of the relevant links in the show notes over at indefensiveplants.com slash podcast. While you're there, look at all of the ways you can support the show. For instance, you can buy a copy of my book, pick up some of our customizable merch, or buy some stickers. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you can also become a patron over at patreon.com slash indefensiveplants. Speaking of Patreon, I have a shout out to the latest producers on this podcast. A big thank you goes out to Shannon, C, and Snow Willow. All of them signed up at the producer credit level, and they're getting all the kickbacks you can possibly get for helping support the show for just a little financial contribution each month. Thank you to each of you, and of course, thank you to all of my patrons. This show wouldn't exist without you. But that is it for me this week. I thank you all for listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and keep checking back in. But until next time, hang in there, stay healthy, and get outside if you can. This is your host, Matt, signing out. Adios, everyone.